Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the week six recap, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. What did we just watch, Jason? Jeez, man. We start off the game with a Jack Doyle fumble. It leads to a Cincinnati Bengals touchdown. Three and out. Cincinnati Bengals touchdown. Three and out. Cincinnati Bengals touchdown. We're looking at a 21-point deficit. Four seconds into the second quarter of this game, Marcus Johnson has a huge play downfield. The Colts turn it around. We score a touchdown. They come back with a field goal. So it goes from 21-zip to 21-7 to 24-7. And we make it 24-21 before the half. So as bad as we played in the first quarter, as bad as we played for the first 15 minutes and 4 seconds of this game, we got it together in the second quarter. Phillip Rivers had a second quarter for the ages. He was fantastic in the second quarter. He was on pace for like 450 yards passing. At halftime, he finishes with 371 through the air, three touchdowns, does have one bad pick late in the game. We have a one-point lead at that point. He takes a shot downfield. The receiver clearly not open. Safety coming in over the top. Never should have made that throw. I didn't hate throwing in that situation. A lot of people were getting on Reich for even calling a pass play in that situation. You were riding the hot hand. You had a heat check moment for Phillip Rivers. I just didn't like Rivers and the decision making in that spot. But all in all, Phillip Rivers was fantastic today. There's a lot of people that owe Phillip Rivers, whether it be fans, media, whoever, an apology the way he played today. He was fantastic today. He led this Colts team. The Colts last year don't win this game for a number of reasons, one of them being the quarterback position. Rivers was fantastic. Marcus Johnson was fantastic. The defense putrid to start the game, giving up three touchdowns in the first 15 minutes of four seconds. But they got it together. They held them to six points the rest of the game. And then, of course, Julian Blackman sealing the deal with that interception off Joe Burrow under a minute to go in the fourth quarter. It felt great to protect a four-point lead opposed to a one-point lead. One-point lead, we lose this game. They were almost in field goal range. They called the game totally different. So that missed field goal by the Bengals was huge. And then... Blankenship, the rookie, making everything we ask him to make. Last year, how many extra points did Adam Venatari miss? Not an issue for Rodrigo Blankenship. He makes all his extra points, makes the 41-yard field goal. We go up by four points. Julian Blackman, game-sealing interception. It was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. It was a marathon. I'm out of breath right now just thinking about that game, just watching that game. Definitely got to take a shower after this podcast because I feel like I sweated up a storm watching that game. And we are going to go through the positives and the negatives in all three phases of the game. But you got to credit every guy and every coach, like Chuck would say, got to credit every guy and every coach in the Colts locker room because when you're down 21 nothing, I don't care who you're playing, should we have ever been down 21-zip to a team, especially the Cincinnati Bengals? No, but we were, and we fought through adversity, we came together, and we found a way to win the next three quarters 
31 to 6. Final score 31 27. Colts improve to 4 and 2 on the season and now we head into the bye week. A couple games above 500. Huge response by this Colts team. Offense, defense and special teams finding a way to get it done in week 6 against the Bengals. It's funny you mentioned Chuck, Luke, because I was having visions of Chuck in like 2015 when we got beat by the Rams 43-8 to or whatever it was in the first part of this game. The first yep. quarter, I, I just – we didn't wake up. We were asleep in the first quarter. No part of the team. I mean, Rivers was all right. I mean, they were saying he, play, he, he did play out of his mind the second quarter. But he was, he was all right in the first quarter, but we, we just could not do anything defensively in the first quarter. I was extremely concerned because of the fact that we were playing against a legit quarterback. So not only are we down 21 nothing, but we're going against a guy who's a really good young quarterback. And the defense for all, you know, it's, it's rough play today, basically held them to, what, six points after, after they got down 21 to nothing? Yeah, after the four-second mark, four seconds into the second quarter, they scored their third touchdown, six points the rest of the game. Yeah, and we needed that. And we, I mean, honestly, we got a little lucky with the Bullock miss, but God, we deserve a little luck with the way guys kick field goals against this team. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is the, the bottom line is in a game like this is we won the game. And when you win a game, it's a lot more enjoyable to go through the film and teach these guys and, and correct, correct mistakes like Zach Pascal getting called for a pick two times. I don't know why Reich did not pull him off the field after the first one and correct him and say, listen, when you run a pick play, you got to run your route. You can't just run into a guy and shove him. You've yep. got to run your route. I mean, we can't have that. We had The thing about this game was we had so many dumb penalties. I mean, Rock picking up a guy and suplexing him. I mean, yeah. I mean, and and so, Jason, then after doing that suplex WWE wrestling move and slamming him to the ground when it would have brought up, I think, a third and 14, first off, you have to know the situation. You have to know that that is unacceptable. And then they keep him on the field the very next down on first down. You have to take him out in that situation, put in TJ Carey for at least, at least one play and show some level of accountability. Agreed. It was a, it was a, it, looked, it was such a Pagano. Like the first quarter was a just a Pagano fest. Yep. I, I felt like Chuck was coaching this team. Now, luckily, Frank Wright coaches this team, and Matt Eberflus is our DC, and we and we figured it out. We got it done. But man, that first quarter was one of the ugliest quarters I've seen in a long time. But again, the bottom line is. Phillip Rivers is not washed up. He quieted our fan base, the media, and all the people saying, oh, Jacob Easton should play, Jacoby Brissett should play. This dude went out there, brought us back from a 21 nothing deficit, a 24-7 deficit, and dropped 31 on this team. And we didn't score in the first quarter. He did a hell of a job, yes, bad pick, and he overthrew Johnson on the long play. But when you throw the ball that many times with Rivers, he's going to make a bad throw or two. You've just got to accept it. This is by far the most excited I've been about him and the most upbeat I felt because when we got in the red zone, we scored touchdowns, and that was the difference in this game. We got touchdowns. They got field goals. We win the game by four. That, you know, that last field goal we got was, was huge because it made them have to score a touchdown. Julian Blackman comes up with a, with a great play. He's just a playmaker. He didn't hear his name a lot all game, but when it was on the line, he made the play to win it. So great win by the Colts, great comeback. 
it's always a beautiful thing to see a team fight through adversity, not, you know, point fingers or anything like that. When the Colts were getting their ass kicked, they came together on the sideline and said, look, that's enough is enough. Let's, let's turn this around. And that's exactly what they did. And they came up with a huge, huge win going into the bye week. They did, and like you said, we didn't hear Julian Blackman's name a lot today, but big-time players, which this guy is turning into, Julian Blackman is turning into a big-time player. They make big-time plays in big-time situations. Couldn't be a bigger situation in this game. Game on the line. They already converted on a fourth and nine. That was a great play by Joe Burrow. It was a great play by A.J. Green. And what about A.J. Green today? The 2013 A.J. Green showed up. He hasn't been this healthy, hasn't looked this good, and then T. Higgins was phenomenal. T. Higgins was a guy we had on our radar at the beginning of the second round this year, and he played phenomenal. I think he was taking one pick ahead of Michael Pittman Jr. there when we had yep. that back-to-back with the Bengals, and he was phenomenal today. And the Bengals did a lot of things really well. We knew the Colts were a better team. We know the Colts have a more talented <laughs> roster, and that obviously shined through as the game went on. But Man, this was such a big game. I tweeted out before the game that this isn't a must-win. Like, a must-win game has to be the difference between being mathematically alive and not being mathematically alive, in my opinion. So this wasn't a quote-unquote must-win game, but this was a game you could not lose. You really couldn't lose this game because coming out of the bye, you have the Lions, should win that game. I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park, but you should win that game. And then after that, you have the Ravens at home, and then on a short week, you have to go play the Titans. If you lose this game, I don't know how we could chalk up either one of those. Of course, you go out and play the games, but I don't know how we could give the Colts the benefit of the doubt right now on paper and say they go out there and win either one or both those games. So you could be looking at a 4-6 and six start had you have lost this game today. This was a huge win for the Colts. We needed this one. We got it done. Let's start off, Jason, in the beginning. This game started off with a Jack Doyle fumble on the second play. First play, big run by Jonathan Taylor, who seems to be getting better each and every week. Second play, a little dump-off screen pass to Jack Doyle as he's turning up field. I actually thought he dropped it. I tweeted out that I thought he dropped it on the replay. Every replay Fox showed us was in slow motion. And when you watch a play in slow motion, yeah, it's going to look like a catch. When you watched it in full speed, it looked to me like the ball was slipping out through the bottom of his forearm before that front foot touched the ground. So I didn't think he took two full steps, let alone the three steps or the football move. But I tweeted that out. People said, oh, my God, you're making excuses. You're wrong. Either way, you have to, A, catch that, and B, you have to hold on to it. You can't. Drop it, or you can't catch and fumble. So either way, Doyle has to be better in that situation. He makes up for it later on. So the offense, they have the quick turnover, which we said in the keys to the game, you don't want to turn the ball over, and you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot against a bad team or a team you believe is inferior to you. When you do that against a team that you are better than, you're giving them opportunities. We gave them an early opportunity. Then you have to give the Bengals credit. They punched it in. It looked like after that, Jason, to me, watching on television, that our defense gave up. I thought our defense was playing lethargic. I thought that they played like it doesn't really matter. The offense can't do anything anyway. Each and every week, we keep picking them up, and they're putting us down. This is just the way I'm watching it on TV. This is what I'm thinking. Because we turn the ball over, easy seven there for Burrow and the Bengals. We go quick three and out. They get another touchdown. That third drive, who was it? Rock got beat deep? Yep. 
Rockets yep. beat deep. It's 21 zip. It looked to me like the defense said, screw it. We've done it each and every week, even though there's been 20 years in Indianapolis where it was the complete opposite and the offense kept carrying the defense, but I digress. It seemed to me like the defense was a little bit sick and tired of the offense continuing to struggle week in, week out, while the defense plays relatively well minus the Jaguar game in the first half of the Browns game. That first touchdown drive by Rivers in the offense was huge. You had Marcus Johnson, who I cannot believe didn't make this roster initially, and we dropped him like three times the last three weeks. We kept picking him up. I can't believe that, but he has that big play. We get inside the one. Creative play call there on the direct snap to Trey Burton. We score, and then you saw the defense on the sideline. The coaches brought them together, and they got them to turn it on, to turn on that mindset like come on we're still in this game there's a ton of time left in this game let's get it together and let's make a couple of stops and that first drive by the offense was huge because if the defense goes back on the field down 21 zip I'm not sure how this game turns out but I don't think we're smiling right now I think that this is a much more negative podcast and then the offense just started to click from that point and I think the defense saw a lot of confidence in the offense like hey let's get them the ball back Because they're going to be able to drive. So I thought there was a couple things there with the defense. I thought there was a lack of effort, a lack of energy, and also getting away from the mental side of things. They were getting back on the field quick. They had no time to rest in the first 15, 16 minutes of this game. They were on the field every 30 seconds, it felt like. They gave up a touchdown. Boom, the offense gives it back. They're back on the field. And they never really had a chance to even catch their breath after that first drive. So it all started with the Doyle fumble. It was a downhill avalanche of negativity. That 21-zip deficit. And then we finally had that nice big play to Marcus Johnson. You look up at the scoreboard. You say, okay, we're down 21-7. But there's a ton of time left in this game. And this Bengal team, over their last 16 road games, is 0-15-1. We could get this thing together. We get it together. And we click on all cylinders from that point forward. The defense was really, really flat. Like, they, they came out. I thought, I thought Cincinnati came out prepared, ready to play, punched us in the mouth, and punched us in the mouth and punched us in the mouth, and we just kept taking it. I thought the defensive line especially was absolutely dominated in the first quarter. We did not tackle well. We got penalties. We got beat deep. All things you can't do, and we said in the pregame, you cannot do these things against any NFL team and expect to win. Well, we were not not only were, were we not going to win playing that way, we were down three touchdowns playing that way. I thought it was embarrassing, and whatever was said needed to be said on the sideline because – they were playing like a laughing stock defense, and it's not one. It's a talented defense, and we saw that from the second quarter on. But in that first quarter, I mean, their effort wasn't great. They were getting dumb penalties. They were getting beat deep. They were, I mean, just the, ta- I mean, mixing with dragon like tacklers at five extra yards. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just, it was unbelievable and frustrating to watch. Yep, there was one play, Jason, that actually sticks out. They had a full start down inside maybe the one-yard line, two-yard line. They get backed up to about the six, seven-yard line. First play, I think it was Mixon, straight ahead, carries probably four Colts defensive linemen with him right into the end zone. And that just shows a lack of effort, especially because we know we're better than them up front. They're not a good offensive line. They don't run the ball well. They came into this game allowing 22 sacks, and that was a play that is 100% effort. Yeah, and the, and the tackling was bad. I mean, the first quarter was just a nightmare. Uh, and, and it's funny because at the end of it, 
I looked at my dad and I said, the only good thing about this game is it's early. That was the only mm-hmm. good thing I could say <laughs> up until that point. And it proved prophetic because the next three quarters, 31 to 6. So, I mean, listen, the first quarter was bad, but the, the next three quarters were pretty damn impressive, by, especially by this offense. Rivers was on his game today. He was special today. Yep. There was two things that me and my dad were talking about down 21 zip. One was it's early in this game, and two was the fact that if you look at weeks two through weeks four, those three games, we won those three games with a plus-minus of like plus 60 against the Jets, the Vikings, and the Bears. So this team... It might not be all offense, and we know it's not all offense because you look at the Jets game, we had the two pick sixes. You look at the Bears game, the defense basically was the reason why we won so big because the offense only had 19 points and it was mainly field goals. But when you look at those three weeks, this Colts team is clearly capable of doing that. You go back to last year when we were 5-2, and two, we had a plus-minus of plus 7. We were three games over 500 with a plus-minus of a touchdown, and it seemed like every game was a one-possession game. So last year, I never felt good about coming back from behind. This year, I also haven't felt great about it because up until today, we haven't really stretched the field. We haven't been playing well from behind. We've only had a few possessions, one or two against the Jaguars week one, and then a couple last week, of course, against the Browns. But we haven't been a great play from behind team. But because it was early and because we've shown the ability to pull away from teams in those other weeks, I knew, okay, this is a team that could pull away. So the only difference is we're going to have to pull away while trailing, and we have the time to do it. This is not a situation where we have to abandon the run or anything like that. And something we just talked about off-air, Jason, was Anthony Walker and how poor he was today in coverage. But on a positive note, when you get Leonard back, a lot of that changes. And when you get Leonard back, I think we're going to see much more of Leonard and Okariki together on the field. Absolutely, and... I just want to point this out. I've seen a lot of hand-wringing and complaining about the defense, you know, the last two weeks, and rightfully so. We have not played well, especially in the first halves of those games. But people out there listening to the show and Twitter, people that are on Twitter, and just everyone in general in the NFL community has to understand we are missing our best player, our biggest playmaker, our biggest difference maker, And we're playing against solid offenses. I'm not making excuses. These are facts. So when we get Darius back, Walker's not going to be on the field nearly as much. And let me just go in. I talked about this with Luke off air about the the play they kept running to A.J. Green when, when Xavier Rhodes was basically giving him the inside. He's giving him the inside on that route because the linebacker is supposed to drop into the area in front of A.J. Green, so he can't make that throw. Anthony Walker, the entire game, did not adjust and never did get to that spot. The entire game, he never got to that spot. Now, I don't know why they didn't take him out and put someone else in that could get to that spot, but I'm telling you right now, when Leonard comes back, if teams are studying that route and that film and they think that's going to be open, they're more than welcome to try it, but it won't be because he's not going to be out there. It'll be Darius Leonard out there. Yep, and the defense was bad and Walker was bad. But on a positive note, to get to the positives of this defense, they got it together and they gave out that third touchdown. The third and final touchdown of the game they gave up was four seconds into the second quarter, which means they won 75% of this game. They went the next three quarters without giving up a touchdown. They 
force only one turnover, but they forced that turnover when it mattered most. They forced a long field goal that, thank God, turned into a missed field goal. They also forced that 55-yard field goal, which is not easy, but it seems like everybody makes every field goal they attempt against the Colts. And I tweeted that out, and it worked out to be a reverse jinx as he misses the 48-yard field goal. And that's also, Jason, a big difference in this game. One of the many reasons why we don't win this game last year, one is because I don't think the quarterback last year is able to play the way the quarterback today played, and two, because of the... I guess you could also say the addition of Buckner. Buckner had a huge push up front. He was continuing to push the pocket. He had a big sack. And then Julian Blackman ends the game with that interception. So I'm sure there's a bunch of reasons. But another big glaring reason when you look at the scoreboard, we don't miss an extra point, And then we make what turns out to be, I think you could call it a game-winning field goal because Cincinnati plays it so much different if it's a one-point game opposed to a four-point game there at the end. They would have pretty much been in field goal range and they would have played it differently and they wouldn't have been taking shots across the middle the way they did there when he threw the pick to Julian Blackman. So Rodrigo Blakechip making everything and he hasn't missed now I don't think since week two I want to say. He's been perfect for the last few weeks which has been huge going on the road to the Windy City Chicago then last week we lose but he doesn't miss anything and then today he was perfect and he hasn't missed extra points, which was a killer for the Colts last year, was missed extra points. It drove me freaking nuts. But on a positive note for the defense, the defense got it together. We keep him out of the end zone. We were able to finally get a little bit of pressure on Burrow, even though it would have been nice to get more pressure on Burrow. Not great. I wonder what the third down was. I'll look that up because it felt like they were converting a lot of third downs. Rock also got beat again by A.J. Green, and it was underthrown by Burrow the possession where they kicked the 55-yard field goal. So we dodged a bullet there because he was phenomenal that drive. That drive started inside the one-yard line. They go right down the field. He's connecting on third and eight, third and ten. I mean, they're going right down the field. And then he has A.J. Green open for a touchdown, and he underthrows them. That was probably the biggest mistake the defense made in the second half of this game. But all in all there, the defense getting it together, keeping them out of the end zone, and then making the biggest play of the game when the game's on the line there with the Julian Blackman pick. Yeah, I just I want to highlight a couple of players, or more than a couple, maybe four players. I thought Tyquan Lewis was huge. He played, huge. I thought, his best game as a Colt. Uh, he was great against the run, pressured the quarterback. I think he had a half of a sack. So I thought he was really, really good. I thought Buckner, of course, was his usual solid self, had a couple of big-time plays late in the game. And then Kari Willis is just, I mean, he's very underrated, but the guy never misses a tackle. If he's there to make a play, it gets made. I thought he was really, really solid. And then Kenny Moore was Kenny Moore. I mean, he was, he was really good when he was in space. He made tackles. You know, I thought there were some really good individual performances today. Uh, obviously, Blackman comes up with the big play, but I don't think he makes that play if we don't get pressure on him from the defensive line. So I thought it was a really, you know, a complete group effort. For the, for the entirety of from the second quarter on, I thought all those guys really stepped up when they had to to keep, up, to keep the Colts in this football game. You know, there were some plays on the field. I thought Okariki was really good, but he dropped – I think he dropped a pick right in his hand that could have changed the momentum of the game. And those were the plays we were talking about in the pregame. Keys of the game, when plays are there, you got to make them. And there were a couple plays we left on the field today that really could have changed the game from a defensive standpoint. So – you know, there's a lot of positives, a lot of negatives, but the bottom line is the Colts get a win, and they really, really played much better defense from the second quarter on, and that's all you need. 
you get a team win like this, you can correct the mistakes. It's a lot easier after a win than it is after a loss. I thought Flus did a good job keeping them in the game and, and keeping the guys on the same page. It's very easy. I mean, they were very clearly all very frustrated when they were down 21 nothing, and, you know, they were pissed off. They weren't playing well. They came out flat, and they could have very easily tossed in the towel. A Chuck Pagano team would have given up 45 points in this game easily. But Matt Eberflus got those guys together. I saw the D-line, Coach Baker, yelling at the, you know, the D-line and get, your, get it together. They got it together. The D-line played better for the rest of the game. You know, there, you know, Walker was bad pretty much the entire game, and, you know, I got into him already. But I thought for the most part, I thought Rose was pretty solid. Rock had probably his worst game since Denver. The, the, Walker and, and Rock were definitely the, the guys that really, really had a rough game. But other than that, pretty much everybody else stepped up when they had to. And the Colts found a way to win. And you need things to break right for you sometimes. And we got a guy to actually miss a field goal. Damn close to making it, but he missed it. And I think that was the difference in the game when it comes right down to it. Yeah, in a game like this, there's a million things that you could point at at being the difference. That was definitely one of them, the missed field goal. You make that field goal, it's a one-point game there at the end. Just like if the Colts were to miss a field goal or miss an extra point, it would have been a different game. Same thing there. If he makes that, they have the ball down there inside the 40-yard line, and a field goal wins it because you add three points, you're down one, another field goal, you win by two. So, yeah, that was huge. And to give Okariki the benefit of the doubt, he is playing with a broken thumb. So he has a little mini cast on that thumb. I'm sure that played into it. It was a factor. You don't want to make excuses, but when you're playing with a cast on your hand, it's going to be tough to catch passes. Receivers don't play with casts, but defensive players, linebackers, because you can make an impact in other ways without just catching balls. Usually you don't even have that many opportunities to catch passes or catch interceptions, but I think that was definitely one of the reasons. And then let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball. Came out extreme. Well, we started off with that Doyle fumble, which we already talked about. And we just came out bland. We came out bland and we came out predictable and vanilla and all the things we've said about this Colts offense through the first five weeks. And we've been pretty pro Rivers. Yes, he has his inefficiencies. Yes, he makes his occasional boneheaded decisions and throws interceptions and he doesn't play the smartest football at times. But all in all, we said he's not the main problem. The main problem is play calling. And it took going down 21 zip to kick Frank Reich in the nuts, to knock some sense into him, and to have him open it up a little bit. And we saw the crossing routes. We asked last week, where are the crossing routes? We asked, where's the seam routes? Where's the over-the-middle stuff? And we started to see more elements of that. And Rivers also, on top of it, just started to make all the throws. He was making the boundary throws. He was making the out-route throws. He was putting the ball on the money as well. A couple of those touchdown passes the one right before the half, I think it was to Pascal. That's a phenomenal pass. And then the one he made to Doyle, where Doyle made up for the fumble earlier in the game, that was a incredible pass. That was a perfect pass, a dime to Doyle. Doyle able to hold on to it, make the catch. And Rivers was fantastic in this game. He really was. I mean, you know, he was able to come through. He was able to make plays, and he was fantastic. Absolutely. This is the this is the type of game you I expect from Rivers, where he's accurate. He, I mean, he did miss the bomb to to Marcus Johnson, which to all you guys out there saying he has a noodle arm, he overthrew a fifty yard pass to a guy that runs four three five. So I think we can put that to bed that his arm is dead. He can still make the throws. He showed he can make the throws today. But you know, the thing with him is rhythm, accuracy. You know, being able to get the ball out quick, and we saw that from the second quarter on, 
He was getting the ball out. The offensive line was giving him time. He was making good decisions when the ball, you know, when nothing was there, he's throwing it away instead of trying to force it. I, I thought he was outstanding. Obviously, the pick was a dumb decision. You know, there's three guys there. The safety's over the top. You can't make that throw. I know, I, I know he's trying to make a play, but that was a bad play. But other than that, he was spectacular. I mean, the throws he was making all game long to Pascal, the throws to Johnson, and kudos to Johnson for, I mean, that guy catches everything. And I've been on the Marcus Johnson bandwagon since we've got him. I don't understand why the Colts seem to want to get rid of him. It's like for anything, they'll put him on. I mean, they'll just release him. I don't understand it because when he's out there, he gets open, and, and now he's got a quarterback, so he's going to make plays. So I don't get that. But I, I, listen, T.Y. Hilton had one catch for 11 yards today. So everybody else around him had to step up. And, and I'm not dogging T.Y. I thought he got mauled all game by William Jackson, and they didn't call anything. Nope. He's being held, thrown on the ground, you know, all that stuff, and no penalties were called. I don't know what they were looking at, why they weren't called, but – you know, they didn't worry about it. They used the, the new kid that's wearing Andrew Luck's number, uh, DeMichael Harris. He came up, had a nice game. I think he had three or four catches. You know, they got the ball to Burton. Pascal made a couple plays. They, they, were, they were really, really solid. He got a lot of people involved, and that's the key to a good offense is when you cannot focus on one guy when you're getting the ball and spreading it around. And he did a great job today with that, getting the ball to Taylor, you know, just moving it around to everybody. And I thought he was outstanding. I mean, this is what I – when I – we got him. This is the kind of game I thought he could play, where he gets everyone involved, he gets in a rhythm, and we're putting up 30 points. And he's not the greatest quarterback in the world, and he's certainly on the downside of his career, but he showed in this game that he can still play, and we can still win with him. When we get Darius back, and when our defense gets back to where it was before he got injured, this team can beat anyone. I still believe that. They've just got to play their game and stop with the self-inflicted wounds, the turnovers, the dumb penalties. All that stuff needs to be cleaned up, and hopefully they'll clean it up over the bye. We'll come out against Detroit and play a much better game than we played early in this one. But for the time being, we're 4-2. and two. We're, we're coming off a huge comeback win, and listen, I'm, I'm happy with the way Rivers is playing, and I think I said this in the pregame. I think he's only going to continue to play better as he gets more comfortable with his teammates and in this offense. Yep, and like you just said, that's something we said in the pregame. It's not an excuse, but he didn't have a preseason. He comes to a team where, yeah, he played with Reich and Sirianni in San Diego a number of years ago, but he's never played with T.Y. or Johnson. Or you go down the line, any of these tight ends, any of these running backs, any of these offensive linemen, any of these wide receivers. So he's part of a whole new offense where he's got a bunch of guys that he's never played with before. It's going to take time to get the timing down, the rhythm down, especially an offense that's predicated on rhythm. And we saw it today, and it worked. You know, It looked beautiful at times, the way we were able to move the ball. And just to go in the half, Jason, down three, a half where yeah. we played our worst football of the year. We were down 21-zip, yeah. as we said a million times, because that's the biggest storyline here. And you're down 21-zip, and then you go into the half down 24-21, you're down three, but you have all the momentum. You have all the momentum in the world at that point. Yeah, absolutely. That was, I mean, that was making the game close going into halftime was, was huge for the Colts, huge for their, for, for their uh, focus and, and morale, obviously, because they had, they had been so frustrated down. You could just see it down 21 nothing, mm-hmm. And to have them get right back in the game and go, down, go in only down three, I think was big for everyone involved. They knew they didn't have to 
do anything spectacular in the second half. They just had to go out and play their game, be focused, knock off the nonsense that they were doing in the first half. And for the most part, they did that. And one other thing I wanted to mention, Luke, uh, that we haven't talked about is I thought the offensive line outside of a couple plays was outstanding today. Rivers was very rarely pressured. Taylor had five yards in uh, carry. They did an outstanding job. They, they struggled a little bit early, but they got it figured out, and I thought they did an outstanding job protecting Rivers all game with as much as we were throwing. And then when we ran the ball, I thought, you know, they got, they got holes for Taylor. They opened holes. We stopped running the ball. We didn't run it a lot in the second half for some reason, but I thought the offensive line as a whole did a really, really solid job. Maybe their best performance of the year, honestly. And uh, they did a great job. I mean, I, and, and I thought Taylor was outstanding today. I thought he had one of his best game, if not his best game. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but there were a couple plays where earlier in the season he would have just ran into a pile and got tackled. There was a play or two in this game where he saw the he saw all the clutter, waited a split second, and cut it back into the backside hole and picked up five yards. That is a he, doesn't sound like much, but that is a huge development. Because when he starts seeing backside holds and cutting and being patient, he's going to be a whole nother problem. I mean, he's going to be he's going to be special that, because he's already got the speed, the acceleration, the power. He's got all that stuff down. When he starts, you know, learning a little patience and watching backside cutback holes and cutting back, I mean, our offensive line and that running game is going to get better and better. And I expect again not only Rivers, but Jonathan Taylor to get better as the season goes on because I think his reads and his feel with this offensive line is going to continue to improve. I thought he was absolutely outstanding today along with the offensive line. I totally agree. I think that Taylor is seeing the field a lot better now. His vision has improved by the week. It sucks that he doesn't have Marlon Mack to learn from and to watch run because Mack is such a patient runner with such incredible vision. But Taylor has improved week by week. Last week, I think he averaged 4.8 yards per carry. Today, 5 on the dot. So he's seeing the field much better. He's becoming more patient. He's seeing the holes. He's watching and waiting for them to develop. So I love what I see from Jonathan Taylor getting better and better as the weeks go by as he has taken an early command of this running back role. You come into the season, you expect Marlon Mack to be the number one back. And by week two, or even by the fourth quarter of week one, Jonathan Taylor is the lead back. So he's done a really solid job, and he just keeps getting better and better and better. And then the ball security, a guy who fumbled the ball a ton in college, comes into the pros' first six weeks, starting five of those weeks, hasn't put the ball on the turf yet. Knock on wood, it doesn't happen. But he's been really good. His vision is improving. His patience is improving. And his ball security has been as good as could be up until this point. And then you said something before about T.Y. getting mauled. They were holding T.Y. all game long, and T.Y. got really screwed today. He got robbed. He did have a drop, but he also had a touchdown in the back of the end zone that got taken away because Anthony Costanza was an ineligible man downfield. He got the play wrong, cost T.Y. a touchdown. Luckily for us, Phillip Rivers was able to find Burton on the next play. We still score, but T.Y. had a touchdown, his first of the season, come off the board. He also had a great play on the sideline that we challenged. We lost the challenge, clearly caught the ball, clearly had possession, toe drag, that back foot, had two feet in bounds. We lost that challenge. I thought there was enough to overturn that. We're going to get into the officiating. I thought they had enough to overturn that. Then there were two terrible no calls, no flag, where he was getting held and pushed 
before the ball got there. It was either holding or his pass interference, no flag. So T.Y. had a really rough game. And then he also had about a 20-yard gain that got called back for a pick play by Zach Pascal. The call against Pascal, good call. The call against Costanzo, good call. But it was just every time T.Y. did something positive, it came off the board. And then there was those two plays, and I'm sure there was more than that, where he was getting held and grabbed, and he couldn't find daylight because he was getting held all day. I was really disappointed in, in, the, in the referees. Not, not, they weren't so bad that, like, let me see if I can explain this. I thought they, they missed. I thought they missed the T.Y. catch, but that was on the replay officials. Mm-hmm. And I thought they missed the Doyle fumble. And, again, that's on the replay officials. But they got it wrong on the field, which made it the replay officials' job harder. Yeah. I thought Doyle very clearly never had the friggin' ball. It was moving around, and then he, and then he was hit. So yep. I thought that was not a fumble. And I thought the ball to T.Y., he clearly had possession, drug the toe. You saw the, 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 the things come up in the air. I thought that was a bad call. But other than that, I thought the refs, all the calls on the Colts were legit. Pascal picked twice. He did not run his route. He just ran in the guy and shoved him. Those were good calls. Costanzo mm-hmm. was down the field. I don't know what – I think he was – he didn't know the play. He ran the wrong play. He thought it was a run play. It was a pass play. So he mm-hmm. was illegal, illegally down the field. That was a good call. There were Those were good calls. The uh, rock, the rock call. call was a good call. Yeah, the rock yeah, call was a great call. You know what it was, Jason? This is how... They didn't call anything on them. They didn't call anything on them. And then also, it seemed like every 50-50 call went their direction. Everyone that you could have flipped a coin for, and if you flip a coin 10 times, you're probably going to get 5-5. Maybe you get 6-4. It seemed like it was 10-zip in their favor. Every no call, every... You could throw the flag. You could keep it in your pocket. Every 50-50 call went in their direction. Every review went in their direction. They let us play a little bit. I thought we got a little physical with them pressing. And I thought Eberflus probably saw that in the first half. He said, hey, they're playing on T-Y. They're letting them play. Then let's see if they let us play. Because I thought they let us get a little physical there in the second half pressing guys. But in the first half, every 50-50 call went the other way. And then... The ruling on the field has so much power. And I said this last week with the Grover Stewart strip. The ruling on the field is a call being made by the naked eye in live speed. And then we go to state-of-the-art replay. We could rewatch it for five to seven minutes in high definition. And then if we're only 99% sure they were wrong on the field, when they probably guessed on the field, it was probably an educated guess, we have to be 100% sure on a replay that we looked at and re-looked at for five minutes to be able to overturn it. I think that's stupid. I think there's way too much power. I think that the ref should have a blue flag or a green flag that he could throw when he really doesn't know. And then you could look at the replay, and instead of the replay being 100% certainty, the replay could be 51% certainty. Okay, he threw the blue flag, which means he couldn't really see what was going on, so let's go to the replay. There is no call on the field, and let's see with the million-dollar replay system we have Let's see if we are 51% sure this happened or 51% sure this happened. Because usually on these replays, they don't overturn. They're like 90, 95% sure that they were wrong on the field. But because they're not 100% wrong, they can't overturn it. And that's going to play in your team's favor sometimes. It's going to play against your team's favor. The last 
two weeks, it would have probably played to the Colts' favor. But there's going to be plenty of times where the ruling on the field benefits the Colts, even if we think they got the play wrong. So this is not a Colt biased take because of our last three replays, taking out the Odell one, which I thought was a bad challenge by Reich. But with the turnover today, with the catch on the sideline for T.Y., which didn't seem to be a big deal because we were able to convert anyway and move the ball and score a touchdown that drive. And then there was one other play in there, too, that we just talked about. There was an A.J. Green catch on the sideline that he clearly didn't get his feet in. Every 50-50 call went there. And then they ran up to the – and the Bengals knew he didn't get his feet in, so they ran up to the line. We, you only, we only saw one replay. It's like when the Colts do anything, there's 50 replays. When the <laughs> Bengals had that one catch to Green, yeah. it was a huge catch because it was on – I think it was on fourth down. It might have been on uh, fourth down. No, because I think the fourth and nine was in the middle of the field. Okay, well, I think it was a third down It play. was a big play. It was like a third and ten. But then also, like, whenever something happens – they go right to right to commercial. It doesn't matter if it's CBS, if it's Fox, doesn't matter. They go right to commercial. On the pick that Rivers threw, I thought live that the safety or the corner, whoever picked that off, I thought he was clearly down by contact. So they cut to commercial yeah, the and they're same. like, balls at the 50 yeah. yard line. Can Fox stay on the frigging game and show us a replay to see if his knee that was made, that down? That was a huge play, dude. Him being down was a huge play. That was huge because they end up driving the ball. If they start at the 50, and they do what they do offensively, they could get in the end zone there. Especially against a bend-don't-break defense, giving them 80 yards or 90 yards opposed to giving them 50 yards to score a touchdown. Huge difference. I'm just glad they got it right, dude, because with these people, you just never know. Yeah. Well, that one couldn't – you couldn't have missed that unless you didn't look at it. So – you have to look at every turnover, so thankfully they did. But, yeah, it seemed like every 50-50 call went in the Bengals' direction, and then it seemed like every replay the last two weeks now for the Colts, we just keep getting screwed over with, well, the Colts probably do deserve this catch, or the Colts probably do deserve this fumble recovery, or the Colts probably do deserve. But because we're only 99% sure on replay and we're not 100% sure on replay, so we keep getting screwed over by that. And I just thought the officiating today was awful. I just thought it was awful in the first half. You could say the whole game, but it was primarily the first half. And I'm so happy the Colts won this game. More so, you know, I'm a fan of the team, our podcast. So there's a billion reasons why I want the Colts to win. You know, it just changes the outlook of my day, the outlook of my week with a Colt loss as a huge Colts fan. On top of all the other factors. But I wanted to bitch about officiating so bad And I really don't like doing it in a loss because then it just sounds like a huge excuse and you sound like a crybaby. Oh, what, you couldn't beat the Bengals without the refs on your side or the refs being neutral? So the fact that we're able to win the game and then we could talk about this makes it so much better because the officiating was atrocious. It was atrocious today. Yeah. Yeah, it was not consistent at all. I I mean – I try to stay away from the ref talk regardless because it's very, I mean, it's, there's nothing you can do about it. And it's, it's just always going to be what it is. You know, there's going to be issues. There's always going to be issues, but it's very frustrating as a fan. I'm sure for every team, it is a fan of any team. When you see something that seems clear to you mm-hmm. and they go to the review and because it's not, it's not even, it, it does, you could be 99.9% sure that you're going to make you're going to overturn this and it's the right thing to do but because of that point one 
You're not going to do. I mean, it just. Yep. Uh, it's and then it's not, if it's a challenge, Jason, you also lose your yeah. timeout. So at least yep. on the Doyle turnover, every turnover is reviewed. So we don't lose a timeout in that scenario. But when right. you challenge something, even if you're 99% right, you get punished for it. That's so stupid. True. I think if it's the ruling on the field stands and they can't confirm it, I think if it's not confirmable, you should at least get your timeout back because they're basically saying you're not wrong but we're going to punish yeah. you because we're not sure if we were right. I mean, come on. And we're not sure if our that's naked great, eye was right. That's ridiculous. Point. When you really think about point. it, and we're not being sarcastic about the 99.99% sure. That's actually the rule. That's literally what Gene Sessator or whatever that guy's name, what all these guys say. They all say that you need to be 100% sure to confirm it. So if those are the rules, yeah. if that's how serious they take and that's how high and mighty the ruling on the field is then why are we punishing teams taking timeouts away for losing challenges when you're not even really losing the challenge you could win 99 percent of the challenge but you lose your timeout yeah it's stupid well and that's just the way it's set up take the colts out of it right. that's the way it's set up league-wide you watch sunday night football tonight you watch monday night football tomorrow night those are the rules Take our Colts out of it. Yep. Those are the rules, and the rules are wrong. I agree. I agree. And hey, man, it, it, I just I'm just thankful it didn't bite us in the ass today. I mean, I'm just thankful some of those calls didn't cost us the game because they didn't even enforce illegal contact at all in this game. Like William Jackson basically just grabbed Ty Hilton by the jersey yep. and just held him all the way down oh, the field. Jason, you know so, what I mean, another another fifty fifty call that I hated in this game. Grover Stewart hands to the face. It would have been third and 14 and they called hands to the face. He had the breastplate up maybe three inches from his helmet. You got to right. give some leeway to these guys. What goes on in these trenches? If you want to get technical, you could throw a flag on every freaking play, especially that play. Cause it had nothing to do with the play. <laughs> he didn't injure the guard at all. Like there was no, risk factor to that guy's well-being on that play and you erase what would have been a third and long I think a third and 12 and you give him an automatic first down and I think that was one of their three touchdown drives early in the game so it was like that that's a 50-50 call that's probably a 75-25 call I thought that was a bad call and it goes in their direction yeah it reminds me of uh I remember a referee probably 15 years ago the Colts were getting really like the organization was really getting tired of Freeney being held all the time. And I remember they got a memo from the league or somebody said, uh, somebody from the league said, listen, if he's not involved in the play and he gets held, we're, we're not going to call it. And it's like, well, of course he's not going to be involved in the play. He's being held. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, the yep. officiating, it's been bad for a long time. It, it is what it is. It's so much better to win though. When, when you deal with this crap because it's very frustrating. And listen, again, I want to point out, we're not talking about this as Colts fans per se. We're talking about football, football fans. Every fan base deals with this. It's not just us. The rules are the rules for every team. Oh, yeah. But sometimes, you know, it just seems unbalanced to us as Colts fans. Yep. But we're yep. not saying, like, the league is out to get us or anything like that. It's just frustrating as a fan of this team, and I'm sure it's frustrating for fans of other teams 
but I'm not doing their podcast. I'm doing our podcast. So yeah. that's that, that's why I'm sharing my feelings right now about the refs. But, mm-hmm. you know, the bottom line was I, I thought we overcame so much adversity in this game. I think in the long run, a game like this, as much as it sucked to, to go through as far as a fan and it damn near killed me, I think in the long run, this is going to help our team get better. And that's what matters. You get a win, you deal with adversity, you find a way, you overcome it. And now if we get down in a game in the future, we're going to have confidence because we've come back. That's the bottom line. So big win, huge win, wasn't pretty, but it doesn't matter. It counts the same. It doesn't matter. Does it, An ugly win counts as so much as a pretty win. That's, that's the bottom line. And falling to three and three with the schedule we have coming out of the bye after the Lions. And I don't want to look past the Lions. That's not going to be an easy walk in the park game because obviously no games in this league are. But you look at the Ravens, you look at the Titans twice, you look at the Packers. It's a tough schedule. I mean, it's a gauntlet in the second half. So this was a huge win. You had to get this one under your belt. We got it done. Four and two now heading into the bye. Get a little bit rest, get healthy, get Leonard back. And then you could look at making a playoff push in the second half. And it's more than a second half because we have a semi-early bye in week seven. And let's get into the players of the game now, Jason. I feel like we missed a lot, but it's just one of those games where how do you even do a post-game show? Especially when you don't do show prep like us and you just jump on and talk. It's tough because there was so much to happen in this game. But if we think of anything as we go... We'll bring it up. Let's get into our players of the game. Actually, wait, wait. Let me go first with my player to the game because we might go with the same guy, and there's a guy that I don't want to take because I think you deserve him because it's a guy that you were on board with back in 2018. So I think you deserve to give him a game ball. So I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers. He took so much crap this week from the media. He took so much crap from the fan base. Everybody's blaming him. Start Jacoby. Start Eason. And he balled out 29 to 44. There was a couple drops in there. There was a couple throwaways in there. 371 yards. Phillip Noodle Arm Rivers. Three touchdowns, a couple of dimes, a big touchdown before the half. We weren't content with kicking a field goal. Makes a great throw to the end zone to Zach Paschal. Then that touchdown pass to Jack Doyle. That touchdown pass to Jack Doyle, if that's Mahomes or Rodgers, that ball's put on the money. That is going to be going viral, and everybody's going to be going wild over that. But because it's Phillip Rivers, probably won't get as much attention. But that's a big-time throw. Yeah, he threw the pick, but he bounces back after that, gets the Colts in field goal range. I thought Phillip Rivers was fantastic today. Quarterback rating up over 100. He was just fantastic today. Couldn't be happier for him and with his performance now as he heads into the bye he was hopping around there a little gingerly, so you get healthy now during this bye week. You come out in a couple weeks against the Lions, and you look to stack on this because now you have six weeks of chemistry with these receivers, with these tight ends, with this offensive line. You got Costanzo back today, which was nice, with these running backs. You're getting to know Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni all over again. Credit Reich in the final three quarters of this game for waking up, getting a little bit creative, but I'm going Phillip Rivers. And one of the reasons I'm going Phillip Rivers is so you could go with the guy who you've been on this guy's bandwagon for three, four years now. Yeah. I mean, listen, before I even get into my guy, I, I you're, you, that's a great pick. I think Phillip Rivers was unbelievable today. He made some really, really spectacular plays as far as ball placement 
I really have a hard, I would have a hard time not picking him. We probably both would have picked him because he was. I mean, without him, we don't. If this is Jacoby, we we don't win this game. No question. We, I mean, clearly. Wait, Jason. Um, one more so play. I want to. I want to say one more play about Philip Rivers that nobody's going to talk about this week. I guarantee you, nobody talks about this play. There was a play. I think Costanzo gets beat off the left side. Might not have been oh, Costanzo. Yeah. And whoever I forgot who came in, he comes in, swipes at the ball. Philip Rivers has two hands on the ball. He's able to grip it. He runs around. He gets to the outside, slow as molasses, throws the ball away. Jacoby, yeah, 100 million percent fumbles Fumble. that football. There is, most quarterbacks do. There's no question in my mind. So that's something else I want people to, to remember. When you criticize Phillip Rivers, if you call him a turnover machine, don't do that. If you're going to criticize Phillip Rivers for the turnovers, say he makes boneheaded decisions when throwing the football and he throws too many interceptions. Period. You can't talk about him as a turnover machine because go watch Daniel Jones play. Turnover machines turn it over in every way imaginable. Jacoby Brissett has 18 fumbles in 32 career starts. So don't call Phillip Rivers a turnover machine. Say he makes bad decisions with the football because he hasn't lost a fumble through six weeks with the Colts. The Colts have only lost one fumble as a team, and it was Jack Doyle on the first drive of this game. That was a great get, man. That was a great reach right there to, to pull that out. That, that's a great, great point about that play. I, I forgot completely forgot about it, but you're absolutely correct. The two hands on the ball, great fundamentals. Veteran quarterbacks, generally really good ones, have great fundamentals. And he, I mean, having two hands on the ball, being able to get outside and throw that away was a huge play. And you are 100% correct that Jacoby probably fumbles that ball. Well, no, he fumbles that ball. That ball might end up going the other way for a touchdown. That is a big play. Those type of plays no one ever talks about are the plays where quarterbacks make great decisions and throw the ball away. And they, or, or they show some really, really great fundamental that they've learned over time that not all quarterbacks have. And you pointed that out, and it's a great point. Two hands on the football, got outside the pocket, threw the ball away, didn't try to force it, just threw it at his feet so he wouldn't get called for grounding. And it was just a great play. I mean, and no one, you're right, no one will talk about it. But we do on this podcast because we cover everything. So great, no, we're great lucky. job, Luke. That's a great <laughs> we're lucky I barely remembered it. Well, I'm, hey, it's a, it was a great point, and, uh, and that's why we cover everything on this podcast. We talk about incompletions that no one ever, you know, even thinks twice about. So, great job, Luke. That's a great pick. Uh, Philip Rivers was definitely, definitely money today. My guy, Marcus Johnson, loved him since we got him from Philly. I've always thought, given the chance, he could be a, a solid NFL receiver because he makes big plays and he doesn't do things to hurt the team. He doesn't drop passes. He doesn't fumble the ball. He's not a me, me, me guy. He's been released probably 15 times by the Colts, and they keep picking him up. I wish they would stop cutting him because at some point somebody's going to see this tape, and they're not. he's not going to be there to pick back up. So he was unbelievable today. Huge plays when we needed him. 55-yard bomb to really get this offense jump started. Five catches, 108 yards, 21.6 average per catch. Big, big, big-time game from him. Big plays all day. This guy can be a big part of our offense because he can do everything. He can get deep. He can run intermediate stuff. You can run screens with him, drags, whatever. You can run whatever you want with Marcus Johnson. You could pitch it to him and let him run or reverse. I mean, he's he's a really, really talented kid. I'm so happy for him. He deserves all the credit in the world. He came back from an ACL last year, got a little bit of run last year, and I thought 
really acquitted himself quite well. I thought he got open a lot last year, but we just did not have a quarterback that could get him the ball. Now we do, and you're going to see this kid, now that he's back on the active roster, he's going to make plays. And I, for one, am not going to be shocked by it because he's a talented, talented player, and I'm finally happy to see them getting him the ball. I think he, he fits this offense well, and I'm really, really happy for him. He's a great kid, and uh, he was a big, big part of our win today. So I'm really, really happy to give my game ball to Marcus Johnson. Yeah, and you just said he jump-started the offense with that bomb, and that's exactly what he did. So there were two turning point plays in this game. Turning point number one to start the game, you had the Jack Doyle fumble. That led to the avalanche of negativity falling down 21-zip. Then you had that 55-yard bomb to Marcus Johnson, which began a avalanche of positivity, getting us back into the game, jump-starting the offense, and getting things rolling on really both sides of the ball. You could say all three sides of the ball. And we also have to get into special teams, Jason. We did players of the game before we even did special teams. So when you look at special teams in this game, we talked a little bit about Rodrigo Blankenship before. Fantastic. He's got to be the best rookie kicker in the league this year. He's been really, really solid for the Colts. A huge upgrade from Adam Vinatieri, who's an all-time great future Hall of Famer. Not getting it done. Not even close to getting it done last year for the Colts. He was awful from extra points to chip shot field goal. I mean, he was awful last year. And Blankenship's been a huge upgrade. And then also, what about Rigoberto Sanchez? You tweeted it a couple of weeks ago, and people weren't too happy with you, Jason, when you said he's better than Pat McAfee. And I know Pat McAfee was, first off, he's an awesome guy. He's funny. He has a show. Everybody loves him. He's a character. He made great non-traditional punting plays like he had a couple of incredible onside kicks had a huge tackle against the broncos against their midget punt returner at the time but when it just comes to pure punting i i mean sometimes i'm like is it even that he's this good or is he this lucky i mean it's crazy it's like he's controlling his punts like an RC helicopter. He lands it right inside the one-yard line. It bounces straight up in the air like it's a friggin' video game. Bounces straight up in the air. We down inside the one. That's a huge punt. That's a huge punt. They end up kicking a field goal on that drive, a drive where we pin him inside the one-yard line. They take over at the 20. They, they can score a touchdown. And these are all little things that add up. They stack up. Rigoberto Sanchez, fantastic. I think he only has one touchback. Since week two of last season, he's just been ridiculously good at pinning teams inside the 20-yard line. Yeah, I, I just got to say this about the special teams. They are so much better. I can't even put into words how much better they are this year in every facet of special teams play. Rigoberto is, is, is an artist to me. The way that guy pins people inside the 10-yard line and the way the ball constantly dies when it hits the ground, it, it either dies or bounces straight up every time. There's got to be some something to the way he's kicking the ball that makes it do that every single time. He's unbelievable. And when I said he was a better punter, I meant better punter. Obviously, Mac, Pat McAfee's a better athlete. He could throw. He could, you know, he could tackle. He, he's a better athlete. But as far as like pure punting and, and pinning guys deep, how can you? I mean, how can you be better than than Rigoberto? He's been unbelievable. One other thing I want to mention, and you've already covered Blankenship, so I want to mention that the field goal protection team this year yep. has been so much better than the team last year. I mean, last year it was a sit. We had it, we had kicks tipped. We had one block and return for a touchdown in a, in a huge game versus the Titans that pretty much cost us the game. 
we haven't had any of those problems. Rigo's had Blankenship has been able to kick with a clean, you know, area. You know what I mean? There hasn't been guys jumping over the pile in his face, guys from coming from the corner. And I'm not making excuses for Venetari. He was bad regardless last year. But they've been all but but the protection's also been so much better this year. It's it's allowed Blankenship just to focus on kicking the football. He doesn't have to worry about leaky blocking and, and is the guy gonna block it. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. They've been great as far as really everything, blocking on punts, blocking on punt returns, blocking on kick returns, and then blocking on kicks. So they've been spectacular, the special teams, all year long. They've really been that 33% of the team or the one-third of the team that's that's really been dominant all year long, man. They, they talk about hidden yardage, and really I think we've, we've led in hidden yardage in every game because of our special teams. They're just really, really good this year. Yeah, and last week we didn't talk too much about it because it was like a little positive that was just dropped in a pond of just a terrible overall game for the Colts. But when you look back at last week, the kick return touchdown from Isaiah Rogers and really how good he's been all year when he decides to take the ball out. I think he came into this game averaging 38 yards per return. Now the touchdown obviously helped that out. You get 101 yards on one return. That boosts your average and he had the one return today for 25 yards but he's been great there's never a time where he takes it out and we get tackled inside the fifth like today when we i think kicked off to start the second half we stopped him at like the 15 16 yard line that doesn't happen with isaiah rogers naheem hines hasn't been what we really were looking at like after last year's game against the panthers i expect him to house it every other game that's unrealistic so he hasn't been that guy, but he's been solid. I mean, we've been solid in every phase of special teams. Punt return, kick return, pump block, kick block. Jordan Glasgow blocking a punt against the Bears. So we've just been really, really solid, making our field goals, making our extra points. Sanchez just, he's a wizard. He's an absolute wizard with his punts. The way he navigates them and lands inside the one-yard line, then they bounce straight up in the air. You just don't see that. Every other guys punt the ball and it bounces in every which direction. There must be some way he kicks it where it comes down with that perfect rotation and it bounces straight back up in the air. But whatever he's doing, he's the only guy doing it because nobody else in the league's punting the way he's punting right now. And people could say, wow, you're talking a lot about a punter. It's a huge part of the game. It really is a huge yeah. part of the game. He flipped that Vikings game. That Vikings game really turned around on him pinning him inside the two-yard line and then Buckner getting the safety, then us getting the ball back, and then it turning into a nine-point swing. So he's been fantastic again today, absolutely fantastic. So we get off to a awful start. We're down 21-zip. Reich did not have this team motivated. Reich was awful the first couple drives offensively, as he was for a majority of the first five weeks. Because you look at this Colts offense, we score Four touchdowns today after the start of the second quarter. Coming into today, through the first five weeks, we only had four offensive touchdowns following our first offensive drive. The first five weeks, we tie that number today after the first drive in just one game. So he was much better today after we got punched in the face, punched in the teeth, punched wherever in the beginning of this game. The defense woke up, the offense woke up, special teams woke up, and we played a complete team game for the final three quarters of this game. It wasn't over. We were able to battle adversity. We were able to battle our way back into this game and get the win. So, man, there was 
It's been a crazy week, Jason. We had all those false positive tests. They come back negative. We play today. We get down big. We come back and we find a way to win. So I don't know if it's possible, but let's try to wrap it all up into one nice little pretty bow, put a bow on it, and then we are finito with this week and we go into the bye. So closing thoughts to wrap up this marathon of a game. Yeah, I mean, this this was a very, very tough game to watch as a fan because there was so much adversity and we came out so flat. I, I can't, and maybe you can maybe you can think of a time, but I can't think of a team that Frank Reich's coach that's ever come out any more flat than that. I mean, that was, it was as bad. flat as I've ever seen a Frank Reich team. Uh, generally, they come out the exact opposite. They go right down the field, they score, you know, they get a lead, whatever, and then they become vanilla. Well, this game, <laughs> we did it the other way. You know, yeah. we were vanilla for the first, really, I mean, we had the good first drive, and then we fumbled, and then we were three and out, three and out. We can't come out flat like that anymore. But as far as this game goes, kudos to everybody for, for hanging in there, coming back. It's very easy when the, when the snowball's going down the hill and it's gaining and it's gaining and it's gaining and it's like an avalanche of bad crap happening. It's very easy to just lay down. It's very, we've seen Colt teams do it for years with Pagano. But this isn't that team. This isn't that coach. And while I've been disappointed with Reich, you know, up until this point of the season with a lot of things, he turned it around. Flus turned it around. Everybody turned it around. They came back. They outscored them 31-6 to from second quarter on. I mean, that's, that's dominant football. That's dominant football. And they had to, or they don't win this game. So it went from a nightmare to a huge sigh of relief and a big, big victory going into the bye week because going into the bye week, 3-3 three and three with bookend losses to the Jaguars and the Bengals, two really, really bad football teams. I would think would be a very, very bad way to go into a bye. Uh, it would not be what any of us expected going into this season. It would be a huge letdown. So this was a big win. The Colts definitely had to find a way to get back and come back in this game, and they did that. And so, you know, going into the bye four and two, there's a lot we got to correct, but it's a hell of a lot better going into this bye four and two than three and three. Oh, no question about it. No question about it. Finding a way to win this game was humongous for this Colts team and the direction we hope to be heading, and that is the playoffs in January. We believe this is a playoff roster. I think Phillip Rivers is a playoff quarterback. Well, let's see if we're able to get there, and this was a huge building block towards that ultimate goal of making the playoffs this season. And then hopefully you get in, you have a good offensive line, you're good in the trenches, you have a good defense, you look to make a run. But you got to take it one game at a time. Today was a big game, and yeah, you could say, oh, well, it was the Cincinnati Bengals. You shouldn't even be down 21-zip to begin with. Totally right. You're 100% correct. You should never trail the Cincinnati Bengals by 21 points, but this is not Alabama versus Kent State. This is an NFL team no. versus another NFL team, and that takes the Jets out of it. If you trail the Jets by 21 <laughs> points, I think the game should be over right then and there. Even if you come back and win the game 50-21, to 21, it should be a loss because the Jets are that bad. But the Bengals have been competitive this year. Yep. Yeah, Luke, I just wanted to mention one other thing. If there happens to be any Bengals fans that come across this video and listen to it, I just want to say this. Your quarterback is the real friggin' deal. That kid is going to be special. The way – there was a play where we – the Colts had about four defensive linemen, like, and had him pinned in. And he was just – it looked like he was taking a walk in the park. He was not rattled at all. And then he completed a pass to Mixon for about eight yards. I was super, super impressed with him. I thought he played out. I mean, just a great, great game. Obviously, 
He, he turned the ball over at the end. But if you're a Bengals fan and you're listening to this, that guy's going to be your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. You're going to play in a lot of big games with him. You're going to play in playoff games with him. You've got the right guy. He is going to be very special. I just wanted to say that before we sign off because I know there's a chance Bengal fans will listen to this. I, I just I can't say enough good things about the kid. He's an ultra-competitive kid, very talented. Ball placement was unbelievable today. Just a, just a great performance by him. Just came up a little bit short, but I, I think he's going to be a very, very special quarterback in this league. Oh, there's no question. There is absolutely no question. I didn't think there was a question at LSU last year. I didn't think there was a question going into the draft. And then through what I've seen so far, five, six games now, haven't watched every game he's played, but I've seen enough. I saw the entire Browns game on Thursday Night Football. Obviously, I saw every play today. There's no question in my mind. You got to hope they could protect him. I thought they did a good job today. He came into this game being sacked 22 times. We only got him twice today. So I thought they did a better job, I should say, protecting him. But he made some big-time throws. Higgins was great. I mean, Higgins looked phenomenal. He looked just as good as any other rookie receiver in the league this year and there's some good ones this year i thought he looked great and then i thought there was a nice little resurgence from aj green he won't be there much longer for joe burrow as like a little veteran security blanket but i thought he looked good today too but yeah if you're a Bengal fan you gotta hope he doesn't get the andrew luck treatment with that offensive line and eventually they build it and they build it quicker than the eight-year plan the colts had and this regime could get it done for him. But, yeah, no, nah, he's – I'm glad you said that, Jason. He deserves a ton of credit. And I would not blame this 21-point blown lead on him if I were a Bengal fan. I think that this will be live and learn, you forget about it, and you move on. There was a lot of time. He didn't blow a 21-point – they didn't blow a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter or something catastrophic like that. There was a lot of time left in this game. And the Colts looked at it as, okay, we have – 45 minutes to win this game 31-6 and that's what they really went out and did and they did a hell of a job for the final three quarters of this game so we'll be back this week we got a bunch of fun stuff planned don't want to reveal what we have planned just in case anything falls through but we'll be back this week with a couple different things one thing I can promise is we'll do a first half pre-buy report card of some sort to just review what we've seen so far up until this point through the first six weeks of the season. We'll project what we have coming up. We'll definitely do a Q&A. But as for the interviews we hope to have, don't want to reveal anything too soon. But it should be a great bye week, especially basking in the glory of this 21-point comeback victory by the Indianapolis Colts. So let's enjoy this one, guys. Enjoy the bye week. We'll be back with some fun stuff here on the For the Culture podcast. 31-27, great comeback win for the Colts today in week number six. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the For the Culture podcast.